0: Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. I'm so glad to see you all today. How many of you are ready to just get in God's presence? I know I need it today. Amen. Awesome. Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz, if you remember, they are ministering in Herkimer, New York. I have no idea how you spell that, but I like saying the name Herkimer. And uh, yeah, they're ministering to with uh, for a pastor friend of theirs. Uh, who is part of the One Focus Network, and so just uh, we'll pray for them here in a second too. But let's all stand. <clears throat> we have a call to worship today. I'm very excited for what the Lord wants to do and how He wants to speak to us today. And uh, we're going to read from Psalm 71. Possibly, <laughs> I got it on my. I got it on the phone here. All right. Here's what it says. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence within my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Father, we praise you this morning. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Jesus, we ask you to move in our midst today. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather and be with you. Lord, we also pray right now for Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz as they minister, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon them. Lord God, that the anointing would flow today as they minister to people and that every person's ears and eyes and heart would be open and sensitive to you today. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for paying for our sins, Jesus. Thank you for paying for our sins. Thank you for dying for every single one of them. Father, we thank you so much for your son. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood lasts forever. Thank you, Jesus. We surrender to you, Jesus. I just want to share a verse before we get the communion elements here. A short passage from Hebrews 6. I really feel like the Lord today... Wants to just breathe uh, encouragement and hope and life into us, um, which you know we can say that every every week. But um, I really feel like he wants to minister to some people's hearts who are are maybe feeling shaken <clears throat> or have shaken, or maybe we're going to be coming into a season that uh, you might feel shaken. Uh, Hebrews six. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse thirteen. It says, "When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, "I will surely bless you and give you many descendants." And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Everybody say anchor. Anchor. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. The Lord went in and died for us. And his death and his blood and his resurrection is the anchor of our souls. How many of you need an anchor? I need an anchor. When we gather together, we partake of this uh, amazing communion time with the Lord, this is an anchor for us. So as we come and get the elements, just really cling to that. The Lord is my anchor today. This is my anchor. This is my hope. Jesus, all right? Uh, For those of you who might be new, the communion cups are a double cup system. Uh, So you just grab one set of cups. The bread is in the bottom cup. And for those of you that are gluten-free, there is a plate in the center with gluten-free little piece of bread. So uh, You can come down these center aisles and then wrap your way back around or up through the center back to your seats. Alright, before we eat and partake together, uh, Pastor Jason talked maybe last week or the week before. Let's examine our hearts. Let's just take a moment, close our eyes, and uh, just focus on Jesus and If there's anything you need to repent of, take this moment to do that. Seek his face and just uh, enter into his forgiveness. And then we'll come back and we'll take together. Okay, we'll read from 1 Corinthians 11 and then we'll partake together. Paul says, For I receive from the Lord that In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink. Father, we thank you so much. Jesus we just we love you Jesus we love you we worship you we want you we desire you you are our God we give you all the praise we're going to worship and sing another song Uh, you're welcome to come up to the front if you would like Uh, we are having a little bit of technical difficulties as you can see with the words so just bear with us as well as you can How many of you remember the scene from the Bible where Jesus is on the water, walking in the midst of a storm, and he calls Peter out? And Peter says, If it's you, tell me to come out to you. And he does. Remember that? He's the only disciple that walked on water, and he walks to Jesus. However, before he gets there, he is shaken by the winds and the rain the thunder and the lightning and he begins to sink and Jesus he cries out to Jesus and Jesus reaches down and pulls him back up out of the water and he stands there on the water and it's so amazing to think about that whole story I don't know if you've watched The Chosen but I might spoil it for you sorry it's in the Bible ready the scene and the last uh, season three of the last episode they have that whole scene and and uh when Jesus pulls Peter up Peter just begins to say don't let me go don't let me go don't let me go and he just says it over and over again to the point where I was like I, I think you said it enough but you know what <laughs> every day is a new day every day is a new challenge Every day another wave can come, another uh, thunder, lightning can come and shake us. And it is the love of God that we are building our life on and understanding that he wants us to call out to him. He wants us to say, don't let me go, don't let me go, hold me, don't let me go. And so I just want to encourage us with that. He wants that. He wants us to call out to him. Because he loves us. Everybody say, God loves me. Jesus loves me. Just open your hands like this and say, Jesus, I receive your love. Don't let me go. I receive your love. Don't let me go. You are my foundation, Jesus. just feel like his peace right now Jesus we love you Jesus we love you Jesus we love you Jesus we love you We love you Jesus You are our God Father we ask you to lead us the rest of this time together May our hearts remain in this state of receptivity to you. Let your presence and your peace just continue to saturate us, and your love consume us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, God is good. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, we are going to take go into a time of greeting. Take a, I think it's eight minutes. Uh, we'll have the countdown down so or up there possibly. Um, but yeah, go ahead and greet each other. Uh, for those of you who are new here, we want to welcome you here so much. Thank you for coming and being a part of our gathering today. Um, if you would like to let us know that you were here, please do. We have a connection card. should be in the seat in front of you. And you can just fill out as much information as you'd like, your name, email, address. We won't mail you anything necessarily, but we will email you something. Just letting you know that we're thankful that you're here today. Um, Kid Corner is open. Nursery is open for zero through three. The Littles is open and for four through six. And offering buckets will be up here for you to give your offering. There's also a box in the back by the door. And I think that's it. So let's say hello to each other. All right, all right, all right. Everybody can make your way back to your seats. I gave a, we had some extended time here. We are having computer issues, as you could tell. One computer decided to reboot, uh, or update right before we started today, and the other one decided to run very, very, very slow. So, uh, hope you enjoyed the extended greeting time. All right, so a uh, couple of announcements. Um, first. Sorry, this is super hot. Okay, a couple of announcements. Tonight is the Luciano group at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. So uh, Paul Luciano has been doing, uh, well, this group has been going on for years and years and years, and he's going to continue speaking about healing, and uh, you won't want to miss it if you are in need of healing or you just want to learn more about God's divine healing and how to live in it and how to... Uh, just uh, be able to help other people. Um, come here and participate in that group. You'll love it. And uh, again, 6.30 here. We have Women to Women this Saturday at 8 a.m. in the Rose Center across, across the little parking lot here. And then this Tuesday at 6 p.m. in the family room is our Young Adults group. It's young Adults is for 18 through 28, correct? Yes. It's on the screen. Okay. 18 through 28. So um, come check that out. It's a great time. Um, Sydney, our worship leader, she uh, leads that group. Um, How many of you were able to make our last summer nights? Yeah, it was this past Friday. Uh, You know, we decided on that night that we would have uh, hot dogs, a campfire, and water games, and that Friday decided to be 66 degrees. And, uh, you know, kids love water no matter what, so we still had water games, and Jenny, our kids' uh, pastor, she uh, just ran that thing so well, and it was a lot of fun. Um, This was the best year for s'mores. I think everyone had a s'more, just about, so that was great. It was a fun time. Uh, We will do this again, Lord willing, next year, and so it was a great time, so thank you all for participating and coming out, and we hope you had a, a lot of fun. So, um, okay, offering for today. I'm going to pull from Proverbs eleven twenty-four through 25. And it says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And um, I just want to encourage us with that. You know, the way money and every, you know giving and wealth works with God, he's, he himself is a giver, and he wants us to live with our hands open. And the reason, I, I, I've talked about this before, but the reason those who give freely grow richer and those who water will be watered is because when your hands are open, the Lord can give to you and you can receive, and he has a place to continue to give. But if your hands are closed, you know, you cannot receive when your hands are closed. And so just be encouraged as you give, just know this is a promise. When you give freely, you will grow all the richer. He doesn't withhold to those who give and live their life generously. Those who water, when you see a person who's in need and they're just down and out and you just speak life into them, you know, the Lord promises that you will be watered as well. And so take heart with that. Um, I also want to thank everybody for your giving, you know, when you give, you're not just giving to nothing, you're, you're giving to the Lord in an act of obedience and surrender and love to him. And we use those funds, I don't know if you know, but there's a missionary wall right across from the um, family room, and shows the different missionaries and ministries we are able to give to, your, your giving supports this property, we just were able to redo the, as Pastor Jason mentioned last week, the parking lot the place repainted we've done we've done the gutters Um, we are in the works as we mentioned last week of updating our sound system and computer system so we don't have so many technical difficulties Um, but you're giving uh, just really makes a difference and um, just so thank you for giving and supporting this body because this is our church and we are a family so it's a blessing all right let's pray and then we'll get into this today father we thank you so much for your faithfulness We thank you that you are our provider. You meet all of our needs. Thank you, Father, that when we open up our hands to you and we give and we live generous lives, Lord, that you supply us, that you give seed to the sower. And we just receive that promise. We thank you for it. We take heart in it. And we ask you to show us uh, how to give to those in our everyday life better and to just love people and water them. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we've been doing the attributes of God, and I think we have 17 attributes that we've done. Pastor Jason said, you know, you can either continue with the attributes or just do whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And so I'm going to do a combination of some things that God has put on my heart, uh, and then we'll, we'll see some attributes of God through that. And I will say that... Um, This week, as I was preparing, it was very hard for me to prepare. I didn't have—God wasn't just giving me a general layout uh, or, like, a picture. My notes were not organized, and I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit just tell me he wanted me to read the book of Ruth, which is a book that we don't probably read very often. It's a very short book. It's only four chapters. And um, and then just to kind of flow with him— Uh, as we finish it. And I do have, I do have some notes. I have verses and things, but I told Paul in the back running the computer, you know, I really don't know exactly the outline, how it's going to go. So uh, if he is not able to get the verses up there or something, it's because I'm just kind of floating around here today. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Ruth and um, I'm going to read it in the NIV. So we're going to try to have it on the screen uh, if you don't have your Bible, if you have your Bible, you can, you're welcome to go and open it up to Ruth, um, it's after Judges, you can also use your phone, and, um, yeah, or just listen, but we're gonna read it, I'll make some little notes here and there as we go, and then, um, yeah, we'll just let the Lord speak to us today, so, you guys ready? Okay, I'll do my best to read this, uh, without going, uh, <clears throat> and clearing my throat and stuff. All right. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, before we continue. Moab is a nation that was actually enemies with Israel. They're a Gentile nation. They held Israel in servitude for 18 years, and um, they were not like, it's not, it wasn't like peaceful territory. It would be enemy territory for them that they were going to live in. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she, heard, when, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to give another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now the name of Naomi means pleasant or pleasant one. And so she did not want to be called pleasant. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked his foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have been a comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your One of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, "'Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man that, who took notice of you.' Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working." The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, the man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. I'm going to stop here for a second. Kinsmen redeemers. So some versions or translations will just say kinsmen. Some will say redeemers. Some will say uh, guardian redeemers. The word used there is the word ga'al. is the word "got It's a Hebrew word, and it means to redeem, to redeem, to be the next of kin. So the act of the next of kin would be to redeem someone in their family who is in need. So, for instance, the Lord set up this law in the you know in Exodus and Leviticus and all in Deuteronomy. You can read about it. But basically, if a family had sons and one of the sons had a wife and she uh, became a widow and did not have children, it would be up to the next brother to then take that woman under her his wing and actually bear children with her and leave a legacy for raise up children for his brother and leave a legacy for him. And so the act of a, the kinsman was to uh, basically uh, buy back, so to speak, repurchase, uh, to take care of the person who was in need, of this woman who was in need. So to redeem means to buy back, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to, es- to extricate from or help overcome something detrimental. So the loss of a husband would be detrimental This also protected the woman because now she was going to be, how is she going to provide for his health? In those days, it's a lot different than today where, you know, women have equality. Women are able to just go and begin to live their lives and have careers and earn money. It was a lot different back then. And so this was a way for God to protect these women who lost their husbands and also continue on the name for this man who died. Also, just so you know, the brother did not have to take her back. The brother did not have to take her as a kinsman redeemer. Um, and you'll, you'll see that here in a second. But just a little background. Okay. Verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might get harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived, uh, she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find you a home, find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with whose servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and get... And put on your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the of the night, something startled the man. It would startle me too. <laughs> and he turned and discovered <laughs> and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I would have been like, ah, who are you? Oh. Okay. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. So he's basically, she's asking him to marry him, to marry her, to take her under his wing. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. So Boaz was not a young man. I mean, he was an older gentleman. Verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. Sorry, I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before... Anyone could be recognized, and he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has Come back from Moab is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so, but if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the land from Naomi, and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the kinsman redeemer said, then I could not redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it for yourself. I cannot do it. Now when he was saying that, some other translations say that he was, basically he was uh, already married, he already had children. He was actually not going to be able to sustain his own family if he was to take on Naomi, and then have um, Ruth as well. So, um, let me see. We'll continue here. At this, the kinsman said, "I'll read this again. Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it." Verse seven. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Now, this might sound, this is just a little history, but this might sound funny, like why would they take off their sandal? Well, when God put this whole um, process in order, in Deuteronomy, I'll just read this, it says, however, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders at the town gate and say, 'My my husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of the town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, and spit in his face, and say, this is serious, this is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. Okay, so when he's taking off his sandal, now he's not going to get spit in the face because this is actually a very cordial conversation. There's two kinsman redeemers available. This guy is just genuine. I cannot support another person in my in my household, and so um, he doesn't get spit on. He actually takes the sandal off himself. Someone else is not taking it off of him, but that's the background to help understand that that process. Verse 9, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring that the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her, And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The woman living there said the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David. And if you remember, Jesus came through the line of David. So Ruth became this Gentile woman who lived in a nation that did that was an enemy of Israel, who worshiped a god who required human sacrifice. She became ancestor of Jesus. This story is a story of redemption. The kinsman redeemer. This is redemption. And the Lord has been dealing with me. I've been struggling with him for a number of years lately because the season that I've been in has been a long season. How many of you have been in a long season of years worth of time? Seems like. And thankfully, as you go through seasons, the Lord always leads you to water to refresh you when the season is difficult. He'll lead you to water. You know. He himself, but there are moments where it's not all bad. You know, there's refreshing that happens. But some of us go through seasons that are seasons of great loss. How many have been through seasons of great loss? Yeah. And the Lord really wants to minister to you today that he is your redeemer. You know, we read through this story, and we can read it fast. I I timed myself like three times this week reading through it. I, I think I did it fastest in like 12 and a half minutes. But the story starts off with absolute loss. You know, it's a family that's moving to an enemy land to eat because they don't have enough food. And so they move into enemy enemy territory, and her sons, Naomi's sons, marry the women from the Moabites. And while they're there, Naomi loses her husband. Some of you know what that feels like. Maybe if you've lost anyone, a mom, a dad. And then she loses both, both of her sons. Some of you have lost children. <clears throat> this is a time of a deep, deep loss. And when you come into these times of grief, they are not easy. They are heavy times. They work on us. <clears throat> Another thing that works on us, maybe, is not always the loss of a person in our life. But along with the loss of that person, there are desires. Our hearts are made up of desires. The voice of your heart is is desire, so to speak. Every one of our hearts has desires. Deep, deep, deep desires. And when we start to see those desires not being fulfilled, it causes us to fear. And when we get afraid... What happens? We try to take things into our own hands a lot of times. It's also the enemy's perfect time to come into your life and tell you God's not good. He's a liar. You know, Naomi, when she says, don't call me Naomi, call me uh, Mara, because the Lord has taken everything away from me. You know, we get into this mindset where God is... He's just taking from me. She was upset. She was hurting. How many of you have been in that place where you start to question God? I have. You know, when, uh, just recently, when my mom passed away in 2021, which I've talked about this, you know, I had questions that came up. The devil was right there to be like, you know, God's not coming through for you. You know, you prayed for her, and she didn't get healed. She's only 59 years old. We're coming in the time when she was going to have, like, she was going to finally have a house. She was having grandkids being born. She got to see them. But like this was going to be prime time for her. And the devil was like, you know, he, God's not that good. You know, he, there's something wrong. You, you know, or, or, he'll blame, or he'll say, it's all your fault that this happened. Listen, the devil's a liar. Unmet expectations are one of the greatest things that can throw us off in our relationship with God. How many have had unmet expectations? Me too. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, which, uh, which I did read. I'm going to read this again. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we'll read Hebrews 6. <clears throat> it says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. This is verse 10, as you still do. And we desire each of you to know, to, sorry, each of you to show the same earnestness and to have full assurance of the hope until the end, so that you may not become sluggish. When we lose our hope, when we have those unmet expectations and they come into our lives and they cause us fear, if we don't deal with it, we will become sluggish in our faith. We will find ourselves far away from God. <clears throat> I'm going to read this. Uh, let me find this verse. Where did I put it? Luke 21 25 through 28. The Bible says, uh, or Jesus says, and there will be signs in the sun, so he's talking about his return, in the moon and in the stars, and on, and on the earth the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are to come. Why are they afraid? Because they don't know what's happening and their, their desires are just, hope, hope has vanished for them. They don't know what's coming and their hearts fail. Some of your hearts have failed in this life. Or are maybe not completely gone, but you have no sense of hope, no sense of peace, no sense of is anything gonna work out for me? And as we get closer to Jesus' Jesus's return, you know, this is a preparatory message here too, because you see inflation happening. You see all the chaos in the world and all the violence in the cities and, you know, all the police defunded stuff and safety going away and all the confusion in the government. And all the confusion on the news, and you don't know what to believe, and you're like, How am I going to be able to afford anything? How am I going to be able to do anything? And if we let that begin to keep our attention, it will block your hope, it will stop it, and you will find yourself sluggish. You will find yourself hurting like Naomi and not knowing what to do. But God wants you to know that He is the Redeemer. God's attribute is redeemer. Redeemer. I'll read some of the things that that means again. It means to buy back, to get or win back, to free from what distresses or harms, to free from captivity by payment of ransom. Jesus ransomed us with his own blood, right? To release us from debt and blame, to free us from the consequences of sin, to change for the better, to make good, to atone for to offset the bad effect of, to make worthwhile. God redeems. Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Psalm nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my mouth and my meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Boaz redeemed Ruth. You know, <clears throat> the story of Ruth and, and her sister are, are very interesting because when you really look at it, you see the two choices that can be made when our desires and loss, or when our desires come and our loss, is, uh, loss comes. Did I say that right? When your desires vanish and, your, and loss takes over. Orpah decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to my hometown. Even Naomi was encouraging her to, her too, and she took the encouragement and said, you know what, it is too great. I'm going to go and be, go back to my foreign land. You know, Orpah had married into Israel, you know, into the God of Israel. This was now her, her she was now going to be a part of Israel this covenant that God made with them. And she decided, the loss is too great. I'm too afraid. My desires, I can't see anything coming in the future. I'm going to go back to where I was and live in this foreign land and go back to this God who requires human sacrifice. He was also called like the destroyer. I mean, he was a bad. He was like Baal, basically. His name was Chemosh. She went that way. But Ruth, When her her desires were gone, she was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep believing God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe your God, Naomi. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to die with you. I'm going to serve your God. I'm going to become your people. That is what God wants from us when our desires start to vanish away. And it's hard to choose that. But she did it. And it's an amazing story to see how God honored Ruth when she believed him, when her desires were gone, when tragedy struck her. She believed God and followed him, and God made her ancestor of Jesus. I mean, this is the promise we have from our God who is the Redeemer. He can redeem anything you have lost in your life. Anything. Anything. Nothing is too hard for him. No matter what desire you have, nothing is too hard for him to fulfill. Peter asked the Lord... Let me find this verse. Sorry, it's not in order, so I have to go look around here. Mark 10, 28 and 30. Peter began to say to Jesus, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. God can bring back and restore and redeem you without restraint, without limitation. He can take care of everything that you desire. Your desires matter to God. And he wants to fulfill them. But we also have to stay steady and keep our eyes on Jesus, the anchor of our soul. Don't let him leave your view. I've let him leave my view. And it doesn't feel good. We have all been there, yes? Yes. So the Lord wants you to know he is your redeemer what he did for Ruth, he can do for you. I mean, sorry if you're a man, you're not gonna have a baby. And uh, but he brought us all into the line of the Messiah. Now, Jesus is our elder brother. The Bible says <clears throat> we belong to him. The time of the restoration of all things. How many have heard that term before? You know, the promises of Jesus. He redeems us and he restores us. He is the restorer. Acts 3, 18 through 21, it says, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things. Some, of it, some translations say the restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Revelation 21, five says, And he who, has, who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Everybody say all things new. All things new. Listen, the, that's the promise that we have, the re- restoration of your life. And all things being made new for you. This is God's promise to us. Are you struggling or dealing with loss? Are you afraid because you have unmet desires right now? The Lord promises to redeem us, to restore us, to make all things new. That's comforting to me. Amen? God cares about you. Psalm 13, 16 through 18 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I recently went to the beach and sat down and I grabbed some sand and I just put as many pieces as I could put on my fingertip and I tried to count them a little bit and I was like, that's a lot of sand. (laughs) I can't count that. I can't even count that many grains on my finger. There's a lot of sand in the world. His thoughts for you are infinite. You'll never be able to count them. He cares for you that much. So I'm not... um, Psalm 13, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety comes from desires that are not being fulfilled, desires that have vanished. You're afraid something's not going to work out for you. You're afraid something's going to happen to you. Your safety's going to be gone. You're going to lose something. That is anxiety. The Lord says, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. He cares for you. If you are anxious right now, he cares for you. If you have lost something, he wants to redeem it in your life. He wants to restore your your heart and your mind and, and your possessions. He wants to restore you completely and whole. Matthew 1128 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the whole idea of the yoke, I looked it up because I'm like, who really knows what a yoke is other than from an egg, you know? But basically, you know, they use it on oxen, but... The better illustration for me was if you have a balance, you know, and it's got the the weight here, and his yoke is easy. So in a lot of faiths that aren't our God, you know, all the weight is on you. And you're way down here while this God is up here. But his yoke is light. All the weight is on Jesus and He lifts us up. Isn't that amazing? His yoke is easy for you, for us, for me. God wants to, he cares for you, he wants to redeem you, and he wants to restore you. So I really just feel the Lord wanting to challenge us with this story of Ruth. You know, this story is for today. There is so much loss in our lives. There is so much unmet expectation and fear that can come and grip us. But the Lord, like he took care of Ruth, he will take care of you. He will provide for you he will redeem you he will restore you he will comfort you be like Ruth I want to be like Ruth I want to say your God you know she said your God is my God I'm not going back there's nothing there when Jesus asked the disciples will you leave me as well because Jesus was talking about his body being you know the eating it and drinking his blood and and they're like, "Where else are we gonna go? You hold the words of life." He's basically Peter's like, "You basically, we know you're the Messiah. What, what are we gonna else are we gonna to? do? do not go to anything else. Let's turn to Jesus and let Him redeem us." All right. So I do want to take a moment in prayer here, and uh, just close your eyes, <clears throat> and with your eyes closed. Think about, you know, what you've been struggling with. You know, is it loss of a loved one? You're still grieving? Listen, grieving process takes time. I'm still grieving my mom. Um, And so it just, it takes time. It's been a few years. But what have you lost that has just been aching in you? What is the unmet expectation, the unmet desire right now in your life that you really are just struggling with? You know, for me, uh, one of the, probably, if I was to ask myself, what is the the biggest desire that the enemy always tries to toy with and say, you're not going to be able to get it fulfilled? For me, I would say, it's being known, not being famous, but just being known and desired and loved and cared for. And it's wild that I would think that because I have so many wonderful friends and family and all of that. But the devil, you know, he doesn't care. And he will toy with your deepest desires. What is your deepest desire that you are afraid is not going to be met? Or what, is a, what are a few of them? Just think about them for a second. Pull them up. Those desires matter to God. He cares about them. He cares about your heart. He wants you to know that he loves you. And that desire matters to him. The loss you experienced, he hurt too when it happened. Death never made him happy. He has peace for you today. He has restored joy for you today. He has new children for you today. New friends, new family. Whatever your desire is right now, that seems so hopeless, just tell the Lord, I'm gonna be like Ruth. I'm not gonna quit. I know you're not a liar, Jesus. You are faithful. You're the redeemer of all. Even though we can't see it, Father, we believe you. You are our hope. You are our God. You are faithful. You are good. You're not a liar. You are so good to us, Jesus. If what's being said is ministering to you, just raise your hand. Okay, I see your hand. Father, you see the hands that are raised. You know every heart that is desiring and craving and longing for, you know, the hopes and dreams of every person. You know, the loss of every person. Father, I ask you right now to just comfort their hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, I ask your peace to just consume them. Restore their hope like you did for Naomi when she saw that her daughter-in-law was going to be married and brought forth a son and you restored Naomi too. You gave her a kinsman redeemer who would also be in the line of Jesus. Restore their hope today, Father. Bring light to their heart. Take away their anxieties. Father, I pray for all of us that our hope would be anchored in Jesus, that we would let you minister to our hearts and hold us steady. Because we know, Father, that no matter what, Even if we don't see what we desire come to pass on this earth, Lord, in heaven, you restore all things. You make all things new. Our desires will be met in some way because you are all-powerful and you are good. You say that those who dwell at your right hand, Lord, will experience your pleasures forevermore. Jesus, we take hold of that. And we release all the fear and worry. We put our hope in you, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, our restorer, the one who cares, the one who is truthful, and we rely on you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer today for anything regarding loss, fear, worry, desires that are being unmet, please feel free to come up here and we will pray for you. I don't know, Paul, if you could come up and Maureen and you yourself as well, come on up and um, we'll pray for you. But go forth today knowing that the Lord is your Redeemer. He has hope for you. Amen? He has peace for you. And I want to encourage you, do not stop desiring. Do not stop dreaming. Believe God for big things in your life because in the midst of this dark world, it is those of us who have the desire, who are steady in hope that people will look to and they'll say how are you still able to desire how are you still able to have peace how are you still able to have hope and we'll say because of our redeemer jesus amen so all right next week i think we're going to start a new message and our new series and so come back and it will be a great time all right love you guys